and this is the art of less doing. I'm going to teach you how to optimize, automate, and outsource everything in your life, including your health, in order to be more effective. I want you to stress less, free up as much time as possible, and do the things you want to do. Hey, it's Ari Mizell. Welcome to the Less Doing, More Living podcast. Nine years ago, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, a little-known, extremely painful, and seemingly incurable disease, which forced me to go down a long road of radical transformation so that I could reduce stress and win back a normal life for me and my family. While extremely painful, Crohn's was the best thing that ever happened to me because it forced me to innovate and create the less doing, more living system, which I used to govern my life. Then I was given the gift of starting to teach this system to other people. And over time, I was able to help more and more people through a video course, this podcast, and the Less Doing, More Living book. Now I have the privilege of working with some of the world's top business minds, including Dean Jackson, Joe Polish, Dave Asprey, and Jordan Harbinger, who have all decided to join me for the first annual Less Doing Live Summit that I'm holding in New York City from May 1st through 3rd. To get more information on the Less Doing Live Summit, you can go to the URL lessdoinglive.com. Or you can also find links to the event on our main site, lessdoing.com. Now, enjoy today's podcast. And if you listen to the end of the show, I am going to give you more information on this event, as well as a way you can earn a free copy of my book, Less Doing, More Living. Welcome back to the Less Doing Podcast, episode 141 with Eric Owings of Mushin Gym. Uh, Felix, how are you? I am hanging in there just fine. How about yourself? I am doing just fine. <laughs> Always happy to talk to you. So uh, let's say so Eric uh, came to me by way of Nick Sonnenberg, who has co-hosted the podcast before. And Eric runs a, a, a gym that does CrossFit, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Muay Thai. And Nick has been going there for a while. And the owner, Eric, uh, really knows his stuff about nutrition and launched a new supplement company. So it was a it was a fun interview. But we've got a bunch of links to get to, so let's start there. The first one, I'm really excited about this. Uh, you know how much we both love Square Cash, right? I do, absolutely. Okay, so Facebook is implementing their own new, their own service now. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, they've got everything going on. They've got the Messenger, the video chat. Well, but so this, calls, this is right? within, this is... within Messenger now. You're going to be able really? to send money just by hitting the dollar sign, and you can send money. Oh, yes, I did see this. I yeah. love this. I'm so excited about this. <laughs> well, and do you know how much money you can send? Are there any limits? No, it doesn't say that yet because I think that, you know they're rolling this out sh- uh, slowly. But um, I don't know. You know, it's a good question. They, they does it does not say, and I think that that's one of those things that they really have to like play with, and that changes very quickly. Like with Square Cash, when they started, I think it was 500, and within a month, it was like 2,000. Okay. I think it's just a matter of like how they're processing companies. Yeah. get in touch with or uh, uh, get comfortable with. Wow. So anyway, but this is cool. I love that they're doing this. Um, okay, so that's, that's a quick one. Uh, so the next one, this is a service called Spritz, S P R I T Z, and it's a speed reading service, and it's it works. It really, really works. And basically what this does is it essentially, it shows you one word at a time, 
and it allows you to only like focus on, on you can read one word at a time and it's really amazing because if you go to if you go to spritz.com and this is, this is not an app this is not anything you can really download this is something you can implement into your website for the moment okay but you can see how it works and you can go from reading like 250 words a minute to like 600 words a minute in just a few sessions it's it's yeah, kind of right. it's kind of insane uh and it's you know a lot of speed reading i think the way it works is you're just sort of like scanning back and forth and 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 not really focusing on the words but i think this is the opposite this is focusing on one word at a time and it's it's a really interesting way to receive information so if you want to test this what you can do is go to uh huffington post and most of the articles are on there or you can just go to spritzinc.com and you can see an example right there at different speeds so they have 250 words all the way up to 700 words per minute and it's it's pretty amazing i have to say Okay, um, I, I have to check that out because I'm a very, very slow reader. I'm such really, a slow reader. You know, I'm such a slow reader, and I also have to reread things like three times because I don't, I don't pay attention. So, uh, yeah, this is a this is a big deal for me, honestly. Man, I'm I'm what I do when I when I when you come up with stuff that I really like, links in you know our podcast, I add them to the less doing. I I add them to Evernote. I clip them in Evernote and put the tag "less doing fave" or "ld fave," um, and this is one I am tagging. Actually, I'm tagging so many things this episode and last episode. So, um, so good, this is good. I can't wait to check this one out. Cool. Um, okay, so the next one is the five daily rituals that will make you happy, and this is from my favorite, "Barking Up the Wrong Tree." I should just have a barking up the wrong tree session of every podcast because I love what Eric Barker does. I, I got to get him on the on the podcast at some point. Uh, but true. so it's yeah. it's five daily rituals that will make you happy. And you know, as usual with these articles, I'm not going to tell you guys all of them. But one of them is switch autopilot on. This may sound very familiar for all of you less doing fans out there, but it says uh, you spend 40% of the day on autopilot engaging in habits, not actual decisions. And basically the more that you can do that way, the better. And there's, there's a caveat here because we always talk about this, how, you know, creating the manual view is the opposite where you're really stopping yourself from being on autopilot, identifying the process. However, once you do get these processes set, and they're so simple and so minimalized and you're only doing the things that you have to do, then it is a good idea to be on autopilot and basically not have to think about these things. So one of the things that they talk about is creating habits that are anchored. And I think I've talked about this before too, that if you want to create a habit, you can attach it to an existing habit. Okay. So one of the things that they give three examples here. After I start the dishwasher, I will read one sentence from a book. Uh, after I walk in my door from work, I will get out of my workout clothes. I will, I'm sorry, I will get out my workout clothes. And uh, after I put my head on the pillow, I will think of one good thing from my day. So it's a, like you're always going to put your head on your pillow. I see. You know, so yeah. Every day you're definitely going to be putting your head on your pillow at the end of the day. So attach something else to that. Um, one of the people in our mastermind recently was saying how she wanted to start taking pictures of her food, but she never remembers to do it until like halfway through the meal. So I said, look, just every time you sit down to eat, put your phone on the table. That's the habit. Not take the picture, just put your phone on the table. And, okay. you know, very quickly that turns into the more proper habit. Just like the people who say, you know, do one push up before you get in the shower. And very soon they're doing, you know, 10, 15, 20 push ups. So, uh, yeah, right. I love this. This is a good article. Um, okay, so we just talked about one of these, but it's this is called sendletterly.com. Yet another service that allows you to send 
handwritten letters digitally. I, I, this one is not focused. This is more personal, not focused on the the uh, the business angle, right? And so this one has what I liked about this one is that they have a lot of cards. So it's not just letters, but they do. Uh, yeah. yeah, so you can do happy birthday card, thank you cards, um, you know, congratulations card, whatever it might be, and have a handwritten note. And I, I want to point out, you know, to people that this is this is not about like distancing yourself from the process or making it less human. On the contrary, like. I have really bad handwriting, and the problem with that is that first of all, if I do write a letter by hand, it's not gonna it'll look it's not gonna look like I put the care and time into it just because my my handwriting is not very good. It, it, it never has been. And the other side of that is that because my handwriting is bad, a lot of times I stop myself from writing a letter that I might want to write by hand because it's just it's like not worth the effort almost. Yeah. So, so I think that this helps you get over that hump. And it is this is written by a human. It's not written by a robot. Not that there's a problem with that because the, the cards that are written by the robot at Bond Gifts is actually really good. But these are written by humans and they look great and they, uh, you know, it, it touches people, I think, when you do this. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, okay. So the, the next one is an article. Actually, I have two articles from the courts here. And one of them is called, uh, <laughs> it's about an algorithm that, Okay, so have you heard of this company called Look Live? Uh, no, I have not. Okay, there's, and there's no reason why you you would necessarily. I, I just thought you might have, but uh, so it's a it's a web it's a company called Look Live. It's Amsterdam based that uses artificial intelligence to identify what characters in a TV show are wearing scene by scene, and actually provides links to the website where you can buy the clothes. No way. Yeah way that's amazing yeah so the the article is actually about house of cards and they show how it's got like the dress that claire is wearing and the suit that uh that uh, frank is wearing and the tie and it will show you the exact one as well as lower priced options to achieve the same look wow wow <laughs> that is um okay I'm I'm just tagging everything to Less Doing Faith. But very soon, this is just all of the Less Doing podcast things. You're, you're, you're unintentionally creating like a, a compendium of Less Doing Knowledge for us. So this is great. Yeah, exactly. So, like, uh, for so, instance, but Claire, my, The funny thing is, is that Claire and I have spoken about this for, for a long time. I've actually, I've, I've wondered why this, this hasn't existed before. So, um... I'm really glad that you found this. Well, the cool thing about this is that it's so you can go in and you can type any show you want, pretty much, by the way, and mm -hmm. pull up the most recent episode and and whatnot. So this is not just, in my opinion, this is not like somebody's like, oh, I want to dress like you know like this celebrity so I can look like a celebrity. No, but there's sometimes where it's like, wow, that's a really nice coat, you know, or that's a really nice shirt, and it's just something random, and this will show you. So like, uh, I just pulled up Grey's Anatomy, and one of the guys is wearing a an overcoat. And a shirt, and like the overcoat, it says is $145, and the shirt is $85, and there's links to buy them. So, but so on the one hand, it's really cool that you can do this, but it's also interesting because it's it's using artificial intelligence and machine learning to identify this stuff. It's really cool. Yeah, that is really cool. I'm also sending it straight to my wife. Yeah, pretty cool. badass. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the the next one is also from the courts, and this is it's called This is What Happens to Your Brain When You Stop Eating Sugar. 
and I've talked many times about sugar addiction and stuff. And it, uh, without going into, you probably heard a lot of this stuff before, but without going into it, there's, th- this explains how sugar is really addictive, just like the drug. And there's withdrawal, which is a real thing. It's not just somebody like whining about it and saying that they they feel like they're withdrawing from sugar. It is a real thing, just like coming off of a drug like cocaine or heroin or anything else. So uh, it's worth a yeah. read. It's really worth a read if you feel like you do struggle with sugar addiction, which is definitely something that I have had and and still have an issue with every now and then. So, Hmm. yeah. Uh, And then the last one, I'm saving the best one for last. There's a scientific reason why men are so attracted to big butts. (laughs) And what is the scientific reason? Well, okay, so this is kind of fascinating. Um, And they did this, they they actually did a study about this. And, uh, Basically, so it's actually a thing about the spine curvature. So they showed men three pictures of women with butts that were equally large, but for different reasons. One was because of spine curvature, one was because of excess fat, and one was because of excess muscle. And the women with the curved spine were deemed to be the most attractive. Really? Yeah, so so you know what I'm talking about, right? Like where if you, I mean, you, a man can do this too, where you like sort of stick your butt out and you round your back a little bit, and it's just like it's a postural thing. Sure. Okay, but so this is this is what's funny is that there's, apparently there's an evolutionary reason to this, and they're saying that the a 45 degree curve allowed women to search for food later into their pregnancies and continue to have children without injuring their backs. So there was an evolutionary benefit to women that had these kinds of bodies and that became ingrained in the minds of men. And that, Felix, is why men like women with big butts. Wow. Well, it's always an evolutionary thing, isn't it? It always is. So we are basically programmed to believe that women with big butts and a curved spine are ideal partners. Yeah. There you go. So yeah. that's that's all I've got for today. And uh, let's get to the interview with Eric. And unless Felix, do you have anything you want to share? Um, I just want to say I'm really impressed with the improvements Fancy Hands have made recently. Oh. I rely on them, depend upon them quite heavily. Uh huh. And um, I really have to say, it's um, you know I've noticed a noticeable improvement in everything they do. They're you know. So, just wanted to shout that out. Well, thank you All um, right. for sharing that. Um, and yeah, fancy hands. Uh, I've seen I've seen that too in some ways. Actually, I think that they're they're getting better and better. So, yeah. Um, all right. Well, thanks, Felix, and thank you everybody for listening. Have a great day. Thank you. Okay. Bye. And now for feature interview. So now I'm speaking with Eric Owens, who is the founder of uh, Mushin, a gym in New York City, as well as a new nutrition company called Effectus. So Eric, thank you for taking the time to talk to me. All right. Thank you very much for having me on. It's my pleasure. So first of all, let's talk a little about you, because, uh, you know, if you if you Google your name, you get some some pretty, pretty badass images coming up, honestly. Um, so you you have how long have you been an MMA fighter? Um, I fought for only like two years. I trained for a pretty long time, though. Uh, I first started with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and I had a pretty fun journey there. I got the first exposure was with uh, – actually, it's a really long story if I go real far back. No, but, go uh, ahead. Well, I first like, – when I was growing up, I actually uh, was best friends with Rich Franklin. He was like one of the first UFC champions, and he lost his belt to Anderson Silva. 
but we were like best friends when I was like five, six years old. And then we had a long time apart. We didn't see each other for a long time. And then in high school, I started training at a, like a Gracie Jiu Jitsu affiliate and uh, Rich and I kind of reconnected there. And, uh, we were trained, actually cornered him some of his first fights before he became a UFC superstar. And I, uh, I really wasn't so convinced with the way that he was training, and in hindsight, I was wrong. I didn't think it was going to be sufficient enough, but I was always looking to train with the Gracie family. They're like the hot name at the time, and luckily, uh, Carlson Gracie Jr. moved to to Cincinnati, Ohio, and it was right across the river from where I lived in Kentucky, and I had the opportunity to train with him for about a year and a half, and I went to Brazil with him, and I fell in love with Brazil, and he let me stay with his mother, and then from there, I, I wound up living in Brazil, uh, then making a couple of pit stops over in uh, Belgium in order to go over and train in Holland. It was right on the border there and also in Thailand. So it was like three years I was living abroad and just training at all these really, these legendary training facilities. Then I wound up in New York, uh, was living with a couple of the Gracie cousins and I was training at the Henzo Gracie Academy. I trained there pretty much exclusively every day for about six years. And that's when I started fighting professionally. And uh, due to a variety of reasons, one, trying to open my own gym and uh, just trying to figure out where I went to fight. I really didn't like the organization I was fighting for. I stopped fighting and I thought it was going to be temporary, but after I I took a couple years off fighting, I realized I really, I love martial arts, but I really didn't love the, uh, the, I guess you could say the pro fighting aspect. I like competitive training. I like training hard. I like, uh, I like fighting, but I, I don't like what modern day MMA has turned into being. So I only did it for two years, and I, I can't say I really enjoyed it that much. What I enjoy most is the training, and I, I like the lifestyle. But uh, I always wanted to fight in pride. It was the premier mixed martial arts organization back in the late 90s, early 2000. But actually right when I started fighting, it's about right when pride started falling apart, and nothing ever really replaced it. And I'm not a huge – I mean, I think the guys in the UFC, some of my best friends fight in the UFC, and I'm a – I'm a big fan of them, but I'm not a big fan of the organization. So, and if you're not fighting for the UFC, you're not really fighting for the for the real title anymore or anything. So for me, it's you know my my competitive days I think are completely behind me and done for. Okay, well, fair enough. I mean, it, it, MMA is you know there, there's there's a pure there's a spiritual aspect to fighting that I certainly believe in, and I uh, have uh, I, I've been a practitioner of Krav Maga. And so I, I, which involves some BJJ stuff. And so mm-hmm. I've always found something very meditative actually about fighting. So, I, and I've never fought amateur pro or anything. So I, I can only imagine actually that bringing in that kind of aspect to the, the, not a corporate aspect necessarily, but bringing that all the other stuff that goes along with it could probably mess with a purist. So what, also for people listening who don't know what BJJ is, can you, can you describe it a little bit? Yeah, so Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, if you had to summarize what the objective is, it's an art of control. You're trying to gain control of the opponent, and then you can try to get them to submit. So a lot of people say it's it's an art of submission, but the real idea is it's an art of control that can lead to submission. Um, it's like when you hear before in a boxing match, though. I mean, it will say protect yourself at all times. So a lot of like in Jiu-Jitsu, it's that same format. Now, in, but it's the exact opposite way, whereas in boxing, they're trying to essentially to hit and not get hit. In jiu-jitsu, they're essentially trying to clinch, close the distance to where there's no striking involved or where you minimize the effect of the person's strikes if you're fighting for real. And then you try to you know, subdue the person, uh, usually by pinning them and then by eventually getting a hold of their neck and strangling them unconscious or breaking their joints, like their arms, their legs, whatever you can get your hands on, until you get a hold of their neck and then strangle them unconscious. 
And then there, you know, the thing about jujitsu, there. So there's a simple view of just like it's a it's a control art, but I always try to tell people there's kind of like four subsects of jujitsu now if you look at it. So trained properly, there's the mixed martial arts component, which kind of it's, it's hard to say that's jujitsu because everything sort of comes underneath that. But there's a definitely a, a style of jujitsu that's used for mixed martial arts. There's a style that's used for self defense, and that's kind of based upon kind of like ignorant attacks, like somebody that doesn't really know what they're doing. They're just being aggressive and stupid and how you would defend yourself against them. But you do have to train that because if you're always trained to go against a skilled opponent, when you go against somebody who's not skilled, sometimes you can get in trouble because what they do is so unorthodox, you're not even prepared for what they're doing. Right. Then on the other side of it, you have the sports side, and there's kind of like two different arts within that. There's sport grappling with the gi, and then there's sport grappling with the, the no-gi aspect where you're just in a pair of shorts or shorts and a rash guard. So there's kind of like four different arts within the art. And I'm imagining over time, I don't know how many more times it could be divided after that, but who knows? I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if there's a, a fifth or a sixth element and as time goes on, like where somebody like adds weapons or, or whatever. But right now, the way I would look at jujitsu is there's four components. Some people train all four, and that's how I like to train it because it's such a, it's so much more fun. And some people just specialize in just one, just like just gi or just self-defense. Yeah. So I really, really enjoyed BJJ stuff. And I only got exposed to it once I got my yellow belt in uh, Krav Maga because that's they they just don't start you on it until you get a belt. And Mm -hmm. it, it, it conquers a couple, two fears that I think a lot of people have in terms of fighting and that kind of physical contact. One is getting really close to somebody, you know, because a lot of times everyone's always trying to create distance. And the other yes. one is being on your back, which yeah, I that's probably the so, biggest difference. Well, it's so interesting because the first time I did it, the first time I did the, the BJJ training class, I, I've, I, when I was a kid, I probably was in like a couple nothing fights, just stupid kid fights. But I remember very clearly this one where it came out of nowhere. This it was at camp, and this kid pushed me and pushed, and I landed flat on my back, and I was I was just kind of stunned, and it it got broken up before anything really happened. But it, I, well, the first time I did the the BJJ class, it was I, I remember that, and I got thrown on my back. But that's in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, that's a very comfortable place to be. Yes, yeah, I would say it's a. Uh... That's really where, it, I mean, judo has it because, you know, judo is derived from jiu-jitsu. It's actually a weird story is judo comes from jiu-jitsu, but then Gracie jiu-jitsu was kind of learned from judo. So it's kind of weird how it all goes full circle with the yeah. learning. But, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, the arts of judo and jiu-jitsu and all of that, they, they and sambo is also derived from it in the, the same sort of way. But they do learn how to fight off their back, whereas in a lot of times uh, in the Western mindset, like people that just grow up watching boxing or wrestling, wrestling you pin the guy you win and, and boxing you knock the guy down you're winning the fight so there's this real uh flawed perspective by a lot of people that just being on your back you're losing the fight but me personally like it depending upon the opponent's skill set that i was fighting even if i felt superior on the feet but if i felt they were completely naive to leg locks and certain attacks I would much rather eliminate all chance of them being able to to make contact, like say by chance. Because when you start striking with somebody, once you start throwing fists, even if you're the better striker, there's always that chance of just like the you know the lucky shot that lands, and that can do you in. So me personally, I would just from being a well-rounded martial artist, if I knew the person did not know how to grapple or know how to defend leg locks, I would happily go to my back in a fight and lace their leg and try to break their leg. I, that would actually be a 
a preferred technique. So that's the cool thing about jujitsu is that if you really train it the right way and you incorporate some kickboxing, and I'm sure that's what they're doing in Krav Maga. I mean, that's, a, that's almost what all mixed martial arts systems are doing. But if you kind of cover all the bases, that's the real idea is you shouldn't be vulnerable in any position. Like me personally, I would take uh, top mount position or back mount with my hooks in any day over any other position in a real fight. But uh, I like the idea of knowing that pretty much any position that I'm in in a fight, I have a strategy. I have at least at least there's something that I believe I can do. Whether or not I can pull it off against the opponents, something totally different. But having a strategy already makes you so much more secure. And you don't get so nervous and tense. You don't burn so much energy. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And and the other thing, too, about MMA fighting and, and boxing in general, too, is I firmly believe, and I always have, that it, it there's no better conditioning training yes. than a boxing workout. And and it was amazing to me. Cause, so I, I did traditional boxing for five or almost almost six years when I was in high school and, beyond, and in college. And I trained with a, a pretty pretty tough trainer for two years and i remember for like six months i was like you know i want to spar i want to spar i want to spar and he kept saying no and this was like six months and i've been training for two years at that point and finally one day he was like all right we're gonna spar so i was like really excited he's like how many rounds you want to go i said uh you know let's let's do three so literally i've been training for two years we get about 45 seconds into like the first round and i'm dead you know, yep. and it's just, it's, it's such, it's so different than anything else. And it, it taxes every single system in your body. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. It's, there's the, uh, the adrenal dump. You'll, I've actually seen this a lot. Um, I've had, I have a lot of friends that fight in the UFC and I've cornered a lot of friends that fight and, uh, you'll see people that do great on the regional level. Like, you know, like when they're just fighting in front of like say 500 or maybe even 2000 people. And it's, it's a scary thing. Fighting in a cage is always a scary thing, but it's funny how when you put somebody like on national TV and now they know they got like 3.5 million viewers and you know, the lights are on them and it's weird thing. Like usually what happens is it's, it's totally not uncommon. The person just doesn't give their best performance. They fatigue, but they fight through it. They, they get the adrenal dump and they just, they go so hard so soon in their body. A lot of times by the person, by the time that you actually see like you watch a UFC event, and the person that you're watching, and sometimes even experienced people have this problem because they can't get their nerves under control. But a lot of times the person fighting before the bell even rings to start the match, just standing there in that, that anticipation and the walkout and all the things going through their mind or them trying to control their breathing. A lot of people have already spent more than 50% of their endurance before the fight even started, just from nerves. <laughs> So that's what happens a lot of times. Once you put somebody to spar, you can see somebody that look amazing on the focus mitts. They look amazing on the heavy bag. I mean, they look like – I always say that you take any guy into the gym for the first 90 seconds, almost all guys look like uh, Iron Mike Tyson. And then they start fatiguing. They start looking sloppy. But even some guys can keep it together and look pretty good. But then you put them to spar, and the name of the game is now I'm going to hit you, and, and you know I'm not going to allow you to hit me. I'm going to move and try to keep hitting you. And it's just amazing how that, that's – it's the same exact thing that you're doing. But just the change in the psychology of, wow, I may get hurt now. And it, it just changes the whole entire thing usually for people. Yeah, no, uh, 100%. So, uh, all right, I, I want to transition into a little bit of talking about your new company. But ha you, have a, you have a lot of nutrition knowledge. I mean, my, Nick, who introduced us and who's, who's been a co-host on the podcast before, uh, Nick Sonnenberg of Calvin App, was always telling me how much nutrition advice you've been giving him and everything like that. So how did you... How did, how did you, uh, I mean, how you got into it, it's kind of obvious, I guess, but how did you learn 
a lot of what you know? And then how did that lead to affect us? You know, well, I think, uh, I think a lot of what I've learned, I mean, I, I believe, uh, the internet's an obviously extremely powerful tool. It's just this ability to people out there listening to us or two people being able to talk and communicate, uh, talking to people is a huge, uh, a huge resource when you talk to a lot of educated people, um, reading and also learning how to not believe everything that you read, but look for consistencies and patterns. And a lot of it's just getting back to common sense too. Like, I mean, I followed everything. I mean, I started really just devouring information about age 12. Uh, I was always an athletic kid and, uh, I just went through a period of like when my parents just had nothing but processed food around the house. Uh, we were pretty broke for like three or four years. And then as uh, my parents started to make a little bit more money, we just had a bigger supply of junk food. And I got kind of chubby, like around 12 years old. And my mom gave me a muscle and fitness magazine. You know, it's probably not the best advice, but it was just something. It was a starting point. And then from there, I'd just go to the library and I'd read on it. And so what I noticed, though, and it was, you know, there's starting to become this uh, shift. I actually witnessed CrossFit kind of like its inception. Uh, when I was living in Brazil, some guys were from from Santa Cruz and they trained it and stuff. So you got to see that. And they did like the paleo zone and I was reading about the zone diet and this diet. And so after I read it, all these, all this diet information, it probably took me, I would say starting at age 12, I probably really didn't have a, a super solid grasp on, uh, I think what I believe now to be the proper way to eat until I was 30. And mind you, I was doing that pretty much every day of my life. I mean, and just obsessed with it for over 18 years. So and that's really what Effectus is, is I'm trying to help people. I really think it's a shame that I had to spend so much time. And it's really what I found is almost when I give people the advice, it's laughable because it's such common sense almost. It seems like it's common sense, but it's contrary to what we're being told by all these experts of how we're supposed to eat. But when you really start investigating, you, you start understanding why is there so much uh, misinformation out there? And then you start looking, it's, it's got to kind of follow the money and it, it's it's basically like corn subsidies and the idea of that, you know, of just using grain to feed the masses and, you know, the eating six meals a day and so many things that, I mean, from the bodybuilding perspective, even too, and from the supplement companies. And so there's all these different interests and, you know, so effect us, we do sell supplements. There's supplements I take and there's supplements I believe in, but I think that a lot of people are always trying to push products. And this was something I was really adamant about when I when I spoke to my investors, I was like, look, I'm not against making money. I think, you know, I want to do well with all my businesses, but I don't think uh, we should make the emphasis upon just trying to sell products. We should make the emphasis upon trying to help people then offer products that can help them even more. And I think if you have a proper diet, a really proper diet, you, you probably don't need dietary supplements. Uh, that being said, I think I eat a very good diet now and I still take dietary supplements, but, uh, I, I do believe that most people, like, they, they just eat too many of the wrong things. And that's really what, what I'm trying to do is just educate people in a very simple way. It's just, it's very simple hormonally, too. I mean, the intricacies, the interplay of hormones, of how they all interrelate, whether it's leptin and ghrelin and insulin and glucagon and, you know, thyroid, throw that in the mix, and then you have your testosterone, your growth hormone. Uh, I mean, there's literally, and then there's subhormones that come off of these hormones. And the interplay is almost like it's, You'll be bewildered. You could read like a thousand pages and still be trying to understand stuff. But when you understand that like when you eat the, the right way, and I know there's not an absolute 100% method that works for everybody across the board, but there's a pretty solid way that if you eliminate processed food, um, you try to eat, I, I believe, uh, lots of healthy fat, protein, and fiber, and then small amounts of carbohydrates basically to, to – 
like if you're doing boxing or high intensity training, you have to eat a little bit more carbohydrates than the average person. But if most people eat this way, all that stuff falls in the line. So you don't really have to know all the intricacies. You can you can really read about it and go into depth on it. And I, I like doing that personally. I like learning more and more about it. But just to get the the bare bones effect of what you want, basically look better, feel better, perform better, just by following the really common sense on the on the website on effectusnutrition.com, we have I think this elements of effectus. We have like a nutrition one, a training one, and a lifestyle one. And I just really tried to do it as simple as possible. And all these things, we could go much more in depth on everything. But like if people would just say like, look, I, I don't know anything about anything. What should I do? All right, here's three pages. Do this. I'm going to see if I can read three pages, even if it takes you a, an hour per page. I mean, still, it's not going to be that long. Then once they, they digest that information, they start applying it almost immediately. And I've seen this over and over again from working with clients. The moment you can get them to, to watch what they eat, and not like it's not crazy. It's actually, I mean, they can eat tons of good tasting food. It's not like they have to follow a, a calorie counting diet. Just by eliminating certain types of food, I find almost across the board, people lose a lot of weight very quickly. And that's usually the first sign that they're doing the, the right thing. That's not an absolute guarantee that you're doing the right things. But I find that that's the, uh, one of the first things that people want, most people want to look better. Then upon looking better, they automatically equate, they feel better. And then if they're into performance, then they start finding that they perform better. Yeah, and it's sure. all very simple. Sure. So what what does uh, what I mean? So you have three supplements you're offering with Effectus right now. Uh huh. Right now we do a we do a fish oil. It's from uh, Wild Alaskan salmon. Right. I saw that you chose salmon. Why salmon? Um. To be honest with you, if I I, I eat salmon, um, that's the main reason. I eat sockeye salmon. I actually order from Vital Choice. Um, but it's pretty expensive. Like. When I order my last order from Vital Choice, I have a just a normal refrigerator, and I fill up the freezer with uh, salmon roe, the acora, the the eggs, and then I got uh, the salmon fillets, and then I got salmon bacon, and I think the bill was like twelve hundred dollars, and that'll last that'll last me for like you know six weeks or so. So it's like two hundred dollars a week. Um, now I also get I also got salmon jerky from them too, and I really like that. So for me, I do take even still on occasion, if I'm traveling, I'll take it. But usually I eat enough salmon throughout the week that I really don't feel the need to supplement. And I eat a lot of grass-fed, uh, a lot of grass-fed beef, uh, bison, lamb. I eat a lot of stuff that has a, a good ratio of omega-3s and 6s. I think uh, we're already talking to uh, another supplier, fish oil supplier, to create a, a higher EPA, DHA, one, something that you'd see like with Nordic Naturals Ultimate Omega. And we're going to do something like that, and it's going to come from a base of uh, like anchovy, sardine, like uh, a small uh, deep water fish. And we're gonna, I don't know, I'm sure the exact things. I'm actually going to try to schedule a trip to go to Norway to look at the factory and really find out all the intricacies of it. But so the, the EPA and the DHA isn't at the perfect level of what I would say you would want from a fish oil. But what we're trying to do is trying to first one, trying to make an affordable supplement that people can get. Then on the higher end one, it's going to be more expensive. But it's also going to have a higher DHA and EPA content. That being said, when I when I'm traveling, I'll take up the nine of our fish oils, not just like three. So almost like triple the dosage. I think that the uh, the EPA DHA content. I mean, in an ideal world, you'd probably be getting at least at least uh, two hundred milligrams or so a day of each one of those. And I like to shoot more for like a gram. I really believe in. I know some people like you read different studies of different supplements, and people say that certain things work and they don't work. I've I've heard people tell me that they've read that fish oil doesn't work, and then people say that it does. But my personal experience is when I take it, it could be placebo, but I definitely seem to have less inflammation. And I seem like, I, I don't know, it seems like everything just runs smoother when I take it. So I'm a big fan of fish oil. 
Okay, and then you got the multivitamin, which I, I'm glad to see you have in two capsules, not one. Yeah, the the multivitamins, uh, it's uh, really good. And the, the thing is, it comes in a small container. Actually, I haven't debated. Maybe we should, because I know like a lot of uh, vitamin jars, They when you get them, they come in bigger containers and they stuff a bunch of cotton down inside there. So you pull the big wad of cotton and then it's really not that full. And But I actually like that they're small for when I travel. But they're, again, like, you know, a, a multivitamin, I try to explain this to people. Uh, one of the guys that I really like his stuff is Paul Check, And he always said, like, if you're building a ship and then you have a box of golden nails, which is like the best vitamin supplement, right? But you have really bad wood, which would be the macronutrients. You're going to have a really poor ship, even though you have those golden nails going into that bad wood. So I really think that's a great way to look at uh, with vitamins is if you have a really bad diet, yeah, I mean, maybe it's better to take a vitamin than not take a vitamin. But I really don't think that that's the way to go. I think you have to have really solid macronutrients. And a lot of micronutrients come through solid uh, macronutrients. So by eating a really solid diet, what I like about the, the multivitamin, I do take it every day. I will, and I've taken a multivitamin since I was 12 years old. Uh, I, it's like an insurance policy. I just like to make sure that I'm getting everything that I need. But do I think it's absolutely necessary for people? No. I personally enjoy taking it, though. Like something I've, like I said, I've always taken and I feel better. I just feel like mentally more confident that um, I'm not deficient in anything. Uh, no, I, I totally agree. It's a, it's a good insurance policy. And then you got the digestive enzymes. That's the last one, which I was also interested to see. I, I'm, a, I'm a fan. So. Yeah, the, the digestive enzymes, uh, I think that that's a really important thing. And there's something else that I didn't – because there we go. We wanted to have a simple product line, and then we want to expand upon Sarah. So next edition is going to be a grass-fed whey protein. Um, we're already discussing with the manufacturers about making that right now. And then the high uh, DHA EPA fish oil. And then the idea with that, we're going to make these multi-packets that are going to have everything in it and an extra antioxidant capsule so you could take two packets a day. That'll have uh, the high DHA EPA fish oil, the multivitamin, an extra antioxidant capsule, a probiotic, which we're going to add to the line as well, and digestive enzymes. But the probiotic, that's actually one thing. Our multivitamin has a small amount of probiotics already added to it. But I think what happens, though, with a lot of people is if you give too many supplements too many choices, they don't know what to do. So we really want to start with these really simple three things that I think almost everybody needs. Um, one thing that I, I couldn't add to our enzyme blend, but I actually always recommend to people, and if people out there listen, they can take note, is uh, the betaine HCL. It basically increases the hydrochloric acid. Yeah, you can sure. buy it anywhere. I think that's very good. I, I noticed personally when I started taking it, it helped, uh, especially when I was in having periods where I, I wasn't sleeping enough. And you know, when your adrenals start to get depleted, your body stops producing hydrochloric acid and that whole you know interplay of hormones. And so a lot of people, what happens is they, they're eating a lot of food and they're like, oh, I don't gain weight. But that sometimes isn't a good thing. That means they're not digesting their food. So especially if you're one to increase performance and recovery and you know, put on some muscle mass, I think it's a, a, a very simple supplement to take before meals. And that in conjunction with digestive enzymes works really well. Yeah, no, that, that, totally. Um, so, all right. So the last question that I always like to ask on these interviews, and you can interpret this however you like, but what are your top three tips or pieces of advice for people to be more effective? To be more effective, I would say uh, the number one thing I always say is you have to have a goal. It sounds really simple, but you have to really know what you want to achieve. Uh, then very simple right after that, you have to make a plan. I would say that's and that's where it becomes difficult because a lot of times people, they, they, I think they do too much stuff. So if you really 
to be more effective, I guess, with the plan. So you have a goal, make a plan, and you want to simplify that plan. You could say that's the third step. About third step, I tell people is execute the plan. So I guess the real trick there is number two, the simplification. You want it to be, uh, you know, just the right amount. There's optimal, and that's the real thing. That's always try to stress to people when I train them. It's if you come into the workout and all you need, let's say, your goal is to, I don't know, have a better upper body, and all you really need to get that better upper body is you need to do 15 pull-ups and 30 push-ups. And this is obviously an oversimplification and a great generalization. But let's just say that's what that person needs, where their fitness level's at and whatever. To do 25 reps, I mean, and that kind of more is better mentality, people say, I did 25 pull-ups and I did 50 push-ups, so I'm better. But every person has their work capacity and how much uh, ability they're going to have to recover. So if you're constantly going beyond what your body's recoverability is, you're constantly making these inroads into overtraining, which actually leads to a point of diminishing returns that you're working harder. I think that's really stupid. And then the same sort of mentality of people that overeat food, they overconsume food, so then they try to overburn on the cardio. I think that's what I'm saying. It's real simplification, trying to just find that optimal amount, and that takes a lot of trial and error. So a lot of people – don't expect to have someone like, I mean, if someone comes to me and does a, a consult and I, you know, I sit down with them and work on it in depth, I always tell them this is all, it's all feedback. And then you got to keep, you know, figuring out exactly what it is, but eventually you have to find that optimal amount and then just that. So you just got to find the optimal amount of have the goal, you know, make the plan, simplify your plan to where it hits that optimal amount and then execute the plan. And I think that's the, the best way to become effective at anything. Those are, those are great tips, Eric. And thank you for sharing all that knowledge. Now, where can people find out more of you, more about you and also possibly get some effectus? And, and also, you've been very generous to offer a discount code, so you can tell us about that too. Yes. Um, so uh, people can go to effectusnutrition.com. And if they want to purchase anything, when they go to the store, they can just click on the coupon uh, ARI, all in caps, so A-R-I in capital letters, and then they'll get 20% off all individual products. The only thing is we're not giving another 20% off the uh, the complete lineup, which is all three of the products all together. There's already a 20% discount we're doing as a promo for the for the beginning of the company. And then if they're interested in training, they're in New York and they want to train, they can uh, they can go on to Mushin, M-U-S-H-I-N-M-Y-C.com. And they can check out the schedule and everything, and they can contact us there if they'd like to come in and do some uh, mixed martial arts training or fitness training. Awesome. Well, Eric, thank you again so much, and thank you for your time. That was really great. Uh, Thank you. Hey, it's Ari again. Thanks for listening to today's show. As I promised at the beginning of the show, I am going to tell you more about the Less Doing Live event in New York City from May 1st through 3rd. Then I will tell you how you can earn a free copy of the Less Doing More Living book. Less Doing Live is an event I am putting on with Business Research Group in New York City. We have designed this event to give you and a small group of Less Doing Fanatics a personal, quality experience. We are limiting this event to 150 participants in Manhattan to make sure that I get a chance to meet and hang out with every one of you. Now here's why this event is different. You see, most business conferences are just a series of speeches on a stage where smart speakers get up and give you tons of great information. In fact, it's usually so much that you don't know what to do with it all. But at Less Doing, our community is all about taking action. So I have designed this event to make you take action. But at Less Doing, our community is all about taking action. 
So I've designed this event to make sure you do take action because the only way to make big changes in your life is to invest in yourself. And that's not only an investment of your money because you can always earn more of that, but rather an investment of your time, which is something so precious because you can never get it back. So at this event, we're not just going to talk. On the first morning, Dave Asprey and I are going to share with you the latest cutting-edge tips on how to hack your productivity and biohack your body. But then that afternoon, it's going to get really exciting when we break down into small groups and get you into workshops to solve your biggest problems in productivity. What are the workshops going to be? They'll be designed to help you tackle the fundamental problems that stop 99% of the world from realizing their full potential. Getting your email down to inbox zero and mastering your communications with the world or a scheduling class where you can learn how to automate your schedule to the point where you will have a calendar working for you. Or an outsourcing class where you can learn how to get rid of 95% of the things that you shouldn't be doing on a daily basis. We're also going to have a biohacking class that's going to include nutrition and help you master your body and your life. Which one of these classes should you attend? Well, that's where my Less Doing Certified Coaches come in. Before we even let you get to the event, you have to speak to one of our coaches so that we can talk to you and see if the event is right for you. That way we can make sure that we truly help you. So to get to the event, you just need to enter your email and then register to speak to one of our Less Doing Certified Coaches in a free 45-minute coaching call where you will learn the one area of your life that you need the most help with and will get the most impact out of. Now, as a special gift to you for joining this free coaching call, I want to recognize your commitment to your productivity by giving you a free copy of the book, Less Doing, More Living. Thanks for listening.